take your Bibles open to Psalm 119. We're just going to look at one verse, 105. If you want to follow along in the app, you can do that as well, and we'll have it up on the screen. I, a little different approach this Christmas as uh, all the, the scripture text for the month of December came from Rebecca. And so I sit and say, okay, Lord, now I've got to make this connect. And, uh, uh, but the, the Lord does that. He's, uh, he, he moves through people who are just open to uh, saying yes to him. So uh, it's, it should never just be the pastor. Okay, just want to make sure we all were on the same page there. By the way, Clarissa sends her greeting. She's recovering well. She had surgery this week and uh, she's home resting and again covets and thanks you for your prayers. Uh, I want to start with a a bit of an article from someone by the name of Lisa Bevere. You may or may not know her name. Uh, She is a a New York Times bestselling author and uh, internationally known speaker. Uh, Her and her husband have uh, uh, ministered for years. And I want to really use it as a a backdrop for setting up uh, our time together. Uh, This is what she writes. She says, There I stood in the quiet of my morning, surrounded by familiar comforts of my kitchen. No rush, no meetings, just a stillness that could have been a sanctuary. A A moment to appreciate the gifts of the day, But like many, I made the mistake of reaching for my phone, seeking a connection in the digital realm, social media, virtual coffee date with friends, or so I thought. Yet as I scrolled through the tweets, I stumbled upon a list, a coveted roster of the top 100 female ministers in America, a list I dearly wish to grace. As I scanned the names, a disheartening realization dawned upon me, I wasn't on it. Everyone else seemed to have secured a spot, everyone but me. Doubt crept in, comparisons flooded my mind, and an absurd absurd idea surfaced. Should I add myself? Absurd, Absurd indeed. The thought of it lingered, a temptation on the edges of reason. Perhaps my assistant could do it. But a sudden clarity cut through the chaos as I sought solace in my husband's presence. Expecting sympathy, I found instead a calm suggestion to revisit some passages in the good book. Not the response I craved. I stormed away, frustration brewing. The madness escalated. I raged at the concept of the list, seething with indignation at the author's oversight. In the midst of this turmoil, a moment of clarity pierced through the noise. Closing my eyes, I heard a gentle question from a place beyond my immediate surroundings. Would I be upset if I were on that list. Reality hit hard. The answer was clear. I wouldn't be. The Holy Spirit's whisper cut through the fog of comparison, revealing the truth that I had momentarily lost sight of. My identity, my worth, they're not dictated by a list, an accolade, or validation of others. Disconnecting from that truth, I found myself 
battling the crucial grip of comparison. I, a wife, a mother, a grandmother, momentary lost in the frenzy of comparison, seeking affirmation from external sources, yet finding only emptiness in the relentless chase. No one, not even the perfect husband, could fill that void. The affirmation I craved, the assurance I sought, could only be etched by the divine on the canvas of my heart. Loved, beautiful, valued, known intimately, forever belonging. Comparison, as Theodore Roosevelt wisely penned, is indeed the thief of joy. Its insidious grip either inflates our pride or suffocates us with insecurity, dragging us away from our true selves. But amidst this turmoil, a lesson emerged. Sometimes feeling left out is the jolt needed to turn our gaze inward. That list, a gift in disguise, served as a compass, a beacon that redirected my focus. It wasn't about the list, but about the revelation it sparked within. For God understands the tremors of a woman's heart, and in that stillness, amidst the pajama-clad frenzy, he gently whispers, calming the storm of comparison that seeks to rob us of peace. That article really moved me. And today we're not going to talk about comparison, even though that was the main thrust of the article. But the place I really want to place the focus on in all of this was the phone. The, the thing that got it started. Because we all live with a certain danger of living with a spotlight or a flashlight rather than a lamp. She pulled out a, a flashlight in that moment, and what that flashlight revealed for her caused her to move into this, this place of comparison. And she had to deal with all the, the, the negative side effects that go along with it. At Christmas time, it's a time where we celebrate lights. But we don't celebrate spotlights. We don't celebrate flashlights. But we celebrate our lights that are put on something ordinary to make it look extraordinary. I, uh, flashlights are just, for me, whatever, they just seem to be an always easy Christmas uh, stocking gift. Because our family places a lot of, a lot of emphasis on our, on our Christmas stockings. But as, you know, like many of you, we get to know the Amazon delivery driver personally because he seems to come every day. He delivered a, a package to, to Josh of a flashlight. And I went to the back uh, sliding glass door and opened it and turned his flashlight and it lit up the whole backyard. And I believe that oftentimes that's the way we want our life. So in all these various ways, we look for ways to light up the life and the world around us. And we end up getting sucked into, caught up in some negative aspect that otherwise would have never entered or ever been a challenge that we would have faced. 
in that scripture that we all started with in Psalm 119, 105. The kids read it. I want to read it again. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You have to understand that throughout Scripture, from, from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation, light is an important topic. It, it's, it's, it's spoken of literally, and it's spoken of metaphorically. And there are times the light is used in the least amount of times in the sense of a flashlight or a spotlight. But most of the time, referred to something that is to draw us and to keep us and to help us stay protected and guide us. In Genesis chapter 1, you have, you have the opening of all of Scripture. And certainly not the beginning for God, but for the beginning for us and understanding that this world that we live on was without form and darkness covered it. And the very first thing that God creates is what? Light. Because in order there, now get this, in order for there to be life, there first has to be light. Let me say that again. In order for there to be life, there first has to be light. But then you, you fast forward, and, I, and I, I, I always have to joke around with my uh, friends that just have this, this, this great concept of living out in the country away from the city. Uh, and, you know, be it right or wrong, I tend to spiritualize things that maybe don't need to be spiritualized. But, you know, we raised our family in the country. We know what it's like to, you know, to have to drive five miles to go to the grocery store and, and that kind of thing. And, uh, and I say, listen, at the beginning of the, the Bible, God put man in a garden. But at the end of the Bible, he puts him in a city. I want you to get that. Something beautiful about a city. One of the beautiful things about the city is all the lights. In fact, if you look at satellites, you see, you, you see the parts of the world where, you know, the East Coast has, has all these lights that are going down the Eastern Seacoast. Sea and then you see it, see it a little bit less on the West Coast. And you see it a little bit in the middle. And, but there are all these areas of black. It's all these areas of dark. Light doesn't penetrate there. You wonder how few people actually even live there in that New Jerusalem that God creates, there's going to be no need for the sun because God's glory is the light. There's this radiance of light that will just be emanating continually that we will live in. And so here, in this portion of scripture, it says, the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He didn't come as a spotlight. He didn't come as a light that, that lit up everything. In fact, he, he, was, he was placed in a, in a very, very small part of the world, in a very obscure place, but the light had such power it drew men unto it. And so this, this lamp, this light that the scripture is referring to, it's for my feet. It's for the path that we've been placed on. And I want you to, I want you to, to see the, the, the beauty of, of the light that was created at the beginning and will rule at the end, but in the middle it came at Christmas time. So we have the ability to have that which is around us, our feet and our path, to be illuminated. 
It's intended absolutely to help us with our movement. It helps us to, to differentiate the path to take and the path not to take. It'll, it illuminates things that may cause us to stumble. It will illuminate the, the things that will get stuck to us. And here's the place I want you to connect this morning, because I'm going to keep coming back to this one thing that is such a profound part of this scripture. And it's simply this, that the knowing is in the going. Just say that with me. The knowing is in the going. You see, this, this, this lamp that is this, this lamp unto our feet is not intended for us to clip our toenails. It's, it's intended for us as we're walking. And what you find is it's the knowing in Christianity that is made possible because of Jesus being born is that while we're walking in a dark world, we have our feet and our path lit up around us. When our daughter Krista was an infant, we lived in this apartment in Mesa, Arizona. And I, you know, I always, I like to play basketball. This, I didn't realize this was coming to the close of my basketball days. Uh, it, and it seemed like there was two Januaries in a row where I would break the outside of this bone. When the one time I, I turned on it and a guy, however much he weighed, stepped right on the inside of my foot and just cracked it right across. And so, and, and some of you like this, I even rode my motorcycle with my cast on because I rode motorcycles and that wasn't on the shifting side. And, and but the cool thing was, is the doctor gave me a, a, a removable cast so I didn't have to sleep with it at night. I could get in bed and I could take the cast off, especially after the first couple weeks. And so, so I, uh, I did that. I would sleep without the cast. And, and in the middle of the night, I heard our daughter in her room crying. And, you know, me being the loving, wonderful husband, and, and uh, I, I thought, boy, I better go get Krista up so Clarissa doesn't have to get up and, and worry about her. And so I hopped out of bed on my good foot. And I started hopping towards her room and I hopped out into the living room and I hopped right on a Lego that my oldest son left out in the living room. And what did I do? I jumped to protect this foot and landed on this foot. Now, I, I say that story because there are, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of people who that's how they live their life. They intend to do something good. They, they get moving, but because they are still having a path that is not lit up, they end up landing on something that hurts something that it's already hurt. Now, if that's you, let me tell you something. The word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. So now I beat Clarissa up every day. And what I mean by that is not something I use with my fists, for those of you that immediately went there. I get up before her every day. It's just, I go to bed earlier, I get up earlier. And when I, do you think that, I'm alive, so you know this isn't true, I don't walk into the bedroom and turn a light on when she's sleeping, right? What do I do? I grab my phone, and I don't even turn the flashlight on. I just make sure that that light is enough to where I can see what's around me. Because I may not be the sharpest knife in the box, okay? But I understand that there are things on the floor that I don't expect, and I just want to make sure that I'm safe there. So this light is good enough for me, but it doesn't disrupt Clarissa. And so, 
becomes the lamp unto my feet, the light to my path. And so, you have to understand that, that the knowing, I would have not known the Lego was in the, in the living room unless I what? Went there. Because the knowing is always in the going. That's, that's just a universal truth. But there's a powerful truth about Jesus and Christmas that, that the, when the light shines around our feet and there's the path that's illuminated, that the knowing gets in a bit deeper and transformation takes place. In fact, what you do is you find that in the Christmas story as a whole, people are always going. Yep, Mary, what, if, what if, by the way, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and says, you are blessed and highly favored and you're going to be with child. And she says, and she's, you know, like some of the, the ladies I know, no, I'm not. I'm not going there. She would have missed out on knowing something powerful and knowing something beautiful. What if when Joseph is, is, is pondering whether he should divorce Mary quietly and the angel came along and said, no, you need to, you need to walk with her. He said, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not going to be associated with that heavenly floozy. <laughs> what if the shepherds thought that they ate the wrong mushrooms in the field? And they said, no, I'm not going. What if the magi argued about the star and didn't go anywhere? Well, you're theologically incorrect. That star is once saved, always saved or whatever, and they didn't go, because the knowing is in the going, and the opposite is also true, and, and you have to understand this in, this in this Christian life that we have, no go, no, no, no go, no, no, if you ever look around at, at Christians and you go, why is it they seem to have a, a revelation and understanding and a, an ability to apply things in the Christian faith, it could be quite possibly that you're just not going, so you really don't know. The fact that Mary said yes, she got to experience the birthing of the Savior and the raising of a soon-coming king. Joseph got to experience the first worshipers as the shepherds came. The shepherds got to experience and know that when heaven speaks, what they say is true because they found the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. The Magi got to to know that everything that they had trained on, everything that they had learned was a reality as they brought their gifts to Jesus. So how do we grow in this? I'm going to talk for a minute about the, the knowing is really found in the going. I think there, there's, there's really three things that, you know, with me, it's always two or three things anyway. Uh, and there probably is more, but there's, there's certainly the promise uh, there's the path, and then there's the person. I want to just break this down a little bit because as we approach Christmas and we approach this, this, this light into our feet and our, in our path, I think there, there are areas that we can really grow in. And, and the first is, has to do with the promise because no one moves without a promise of something. There's always a destination. And so, so the angel says to Joseph, your son's going to save uh, his people. To Mary, the... the uh, Angel said that your son will be great. He'll be called the Most High. He'll be, he'll be the king in the line of David. To the shepherds, they said, you're going to see the Savior. The Magi knew they were going to see the newborn king. 
So the question for us is what promise gets you moving? Because if, if there's no promise, then there's no going. And then there's no knowing. But if there's a promise, there's going. And the knowing is in the going. And God's promises, by the way, are always eternal. They're eternal promises. Now, he may promise something temporal. I, the things that were yelled out here, there was a number of things. Healing to me is temporal. Uh, when you're in pain, who doesn't want healing more than when you're in pain, right? But it's still temporal, it, it, meaning it's temporary. But the, the temporal things that we are promised are intended to move us toward promises that are eternal. And so when I'm healed, why on earth would I not pray for others who are sick? So that the glory and the majesty of the eternal God might be made known to those who are in my circle of influence. So that now my, the, the, the fire that has been burnt in me now begins to burn in those who are around me. If we believe the promise that he'll fight for us, what's, step, what's stopping us from stepping into the fight? If he has promised to set you free, what's stopping you from stepping into that freedom? He's promised the, the Holy Spirit, so step into that. I, I, this is big for me. He, he said in the scripture that we would do the works that he did. That's a promise. Amen. And the knowing is in the going. So the only way I'm going to know and become like Jesus in his ministry is if I put myself out there. So the knowing is in the going, but you got to know where you're going. Right? Heaven's a good place to go, right? And the moment you said yes to heaven, your life changed directions. And you started going that direction. So the knowing is in the going, but it's got to start with a promise. But then there's the path. Jesus said, narrow is the path that leads to life. But wide is the path that leads to destruction. The only path there is for us is Jesus. He's it. You're going, oh, okay. Oh, I'm supposed to walk over Jesus? Well, no, it's not like that. It's recognizing that, that I need Jesus and his light to stay on his path. Because the moment I set that down and I start wandering here, there, and everywhere, then I have the opportunity and the danger of destruction. And it may not even be the destruction of hell for you. It might be the destruction of a marriage or destruction of a relationship or destruction of a, a job opportunity. A number of years ago, I had the chance. I, 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 I don't necessarily have a fear of heights. I have a fear of falling to my death. Okay. And, and, and so a group of pastors went to Zion National Park and, and uh, we were going to uh, hike Angel's Landing. Now, if you're not familiar with Angel's Landing, Angel's Landing uh, up to this date's had 20 deaths. Because Angel's Landing is you, you do zigzag for, for a couple miles, but then you get to the part uh, where you ascend to 1,500 feet and the path going up there is only this wide. And down the middle of the path is actually a chain that you hold on to that has things driven into the ground. So you don't, have to, you don't have to have your foot slip and then fall to your death, which is what happens. And so 
I, uh, I actually got up to the top and I sat down and I had no desire to get to the close to the edge, to look at all the incredible things. I did it just to say, I'm not going to let fear win. And I was sitting there and uh, our district superintendent of Arizona walked up behind me and he goes, you're not there yet. You got that much further to go. Because I was like the cat that was caught in the tree just holding on for dear life. <laughs> now, here's the thing. That last part was a lot wider and there was nothing to hold on to. I just had to believe that that earth wasn't going to crumble in me and I went ahead and went the rest of the way. Do you know you can actually do that hike at night? How many of you would do that hike at night without some form of light? Do you think if you did that hike at night with a flashlight, you'd be looking over the edge with the flashlight? No, no. You'd be going, I want that light unto my feet to make sure my next step isn't over the edge. The path that we've been given requires that kind of diligence. Now, you got to understand that that when the, when the scripture uses the word, in the Old Testament, it's, it's, ref, it's referring to the written word. There, there, was, there was a way for every Jew to live. It, take, for example, the book of Proverbs. The, the book of Proverbs gives a very clear path for us. It, it describes a path that is about truth and lies. There's a path that talks about correction. There's a path that talks about wisdom and foolishness. There's a path that talks about wealth and poverty. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a path given in, in the book of Proverbs that talks about, about uh, the fear of God and pride. If you want to just get on the path of love, you can really just read the book of John or 1 John. You could read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. If you want to make sure that the, the, the path of, is, is of a victorious life, read Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians. And so there is this, there's this dynamic. This is why, this is why the being in the word and knowing the word on a daily basis is so critical for our lives because, because it's the path for us. There, there are things in life and there are things that in, the, in, our, in our common era where people are arguing about even in churches that there's no wiggle room here. These aren't, these aren't uh, uh, you know, open uh, things of scripture. And, you know, I'm not going to go through the litany of, of arguments because I don't want to get sidetracked, but there, there, are, there, are, there are some things in Scripture that it's, God's closed his fist on it. There's no argument over it. But if, if, the, if the Word is not a light to your feet, a, a lamp to your feet, a light to the, to the path before you, you're going you're gonna to argue about all sorts of things that will lead ultimately to destruction. But when you understand that the Word is that way, then okay. So, so, Here's, the, here's an incredible thing, is that what you find with the Christmas story, especially when it came to um, Joseph and Mary, they were Jews just like every other Jews. They knew the path. But even though there was a path, when Jesus gets involved, when Jesus comes into the picture, there then becomes a difference between Jews and that Jew. Just like when Jesus gets involved in your life, there's a difference between Christians and you. Because now the path is specific to my place of knowing. Now it's specific to me and the things that I am going through. And so the expressions of the path, it changes based on how we are knowing and growing in Jesus. Because the knowing happens as we're going. Now let me, 
I, I, I face many of the same kind of battles that you face. I, when, when, um, uh, when the war broke out in Israel, I, uh, I, I just said to the Lord, I said, Lord, uh, this is me being really godly with God. I don't know if you've ever tried this. Uh, I said, okay, God, I'm pastor here. We got, what direction do you want me to go? And he didn't say anything. And I went to bed and I had a dream and the whole dream came around me forgiving somebody. Because there are, there's, the, there's, there's the path that maybe you're looking for, but then the expression of Jesus in your current path, he lights up right where you're at. I'm out there. And he's like, no, 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 no. You got something right in front of you that if you're not careful, it's going to cause you to stumble. So in, in my walk that day, it was, I was by myself and, and I just went and said, okay, Lord. I said, not only do I not really want to forgive in this case, I don't even know how to. I gave it back to him. And then he does what he does because he's just beautiful and wonderful that way. And he takes a heart that, that said yes, even though the heart doesn't know how. And he says, just do this. Do that. Let me, let me perform a miracle. So as we go, the expressions of the path changes. But we know that Jesus is in all of these areas. Why? Because the knowing is in the going. Which brings me to the person. You got the promise, you got the path, but you got the person. John chapter 1, first five verses say this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now let me stop there just for a second. That means that if you have a promise, and you're on the path, he's going to be the maker of the fulfillment of that promise. Not you. That means that, that he's going to make it. Because listen to what he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now we understand that, and I want you to catch this transition here. We've been given from Jesus, we've been given this book. But Jesus doesn't want us to leave him in the book. These aren't just mere words. And, and they're not just words that contain. God cannot be contained in a temple. God cannot be contained in a book. And so when you have a promise and you, and you, begin, to, you begin to walk out the path, and while there, there, there are certainly paths for, for, for wealth and poverty, and there's, 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 there's this, this path of, of wisdom and foolishness, there's also Jesus, who's the person, who's the word who in the process and, and as we are going, he will help us with the knowing. Because that knowing is something that, somebody back here behind me said this during the thing, Bill, you don't know you caught it. Someone said revelation. Revelation, when Jesus brings revelation, that's knowing. Do you know in the, in the, in the scripture, and, and you read in, in Ephesians where it talks about the the, uh, the eyes of our heart being enlightened. It's the picture of going behind the veil in the temple. And so when that temple's open, boom, you're in the presence, there's light. And wherever their light is, revelation happens. And so this, this idea that, that this promise that we're going after, the path that we're on, requires the light of revelation in certain key and important moments. Because the path of all Jews, I want you to catch this, the path of all Jews led Mary and Joseph to the temple in Jerusalem. Because they understood that the first male born of the womb that opens the womb was to go to be dedicated. 
But as a part of the path, they encountered Simeon and Anna. And revelation happened in two forms. The first was for them, and the other was for another, being Anna. Because when, when the, the, the life of Jesus becomes around us in our every step, when we're looking at his life, revelation happens. Revelation happens to us personally, but then revelation happens to those that are around us. And listen, to those of you that are close to me, I've been preaching this one step at a time for a while. God has Bethel in a very unique place. We talked about the school back in our, our membership meeting, and, and it didn't quite go as we were planning, but one step at a time, one step at a time. I'd like to pull the spotlight out, but God spoke clearly to me. He said, I am not a spotlight to you. I'm a lamp to your feet. Take the next step. And when in that process, if we will, if we will do the things that we're to do, it, the simple things to do or do is love God and love people. And then along the way, he reveals himself. He opens it up and it becomes very personal that now I find that in this moment, in this step, knowing came. Knowing and an understanding because God revealed it in the person of Christ Jesus. So what are we going to do with it? Let's, let's walk out the two things in the go. And all we're going to do here, here's, here's this, you can start this this week. You got to walk it out and then work it out. You got to walk it out and you have to work it out. Because when you talk about knowing in the going, there's a lot you don't know. And there are a lot of things that you run into. You think, you think that the, the path of Jesus is always going to be wonderful and comfortable. And there's not going to be any problems. I'm certainly not going to have to face a Goliath. And I'm certainly not going to have to see the sea part. And I'm certainly not going to have to do that. But you certainly find something out there that seems like a Goliath. Or it seems like a, a sea where God has to come through. So in the walking it out is simply the things that you know to do, do. And so, in the, in, again, in the story, Gabriel told Mary, it's interesting, Gabriel told Mary and Joseph the same thing. His name's Jesus. That's what they knew. There was a lot of, how's this going to happen? What should I do? His name's going to be Jesus. And, and there are things that the Lord has told you to do that the next step can't even come, cannot be revealed, because he's not seen your obedience in the one step. And so, you find that no going means no knowing. But if you'll just take the step and be obedient, that step of faith will now open up a whole new sphere, not far, but just around, so that you can take the next step. For the shepherds, they walked it out and they found the, the words of the angels to be true because they found the baby lying in a manger, wrapped in little snuggly blanket. The Magi, they followed the star. Now, we hear this and we, we don't realize that, that, you know, listen, the, the Magi were coming from Babylon. There were a lot of steps in between where they started to where they finished. But they had to walk it out. And there are just things that we have to walk out. If God has given you a promise and he said, this is the path, you got to choose to walk it out. Now, these are things that we can only, we really only in our own selves because have to work out because there, there are general things. But when we talk about being a light unto our feet or a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, there isn't anybody other's toes that I'm looking at. They're mine. They're yours. 
And so the Spirit begins to open up and says, these are the steps. This is what I want you to do. And so the response is, yes, Lord, I want to know as I go. So that, that may be the, the place of prayer for you. You don't, you don't know what the next step is. Just say, yes, Lord, I want to know as I go. And I guarantee you, he'll get past your theology. He'll get past your understanding. And he'll communicate to you in a way that you can understand what the next step is. My, uh, my friend that has moved up to Kansas City, he calls me. And he's called me over the last few weeks. And they've just been struggling. He said... I said to the Lord, if you do this, you do this, and I know this is the house that you want us to buy. And they bought the house, and the house has been a money pit. Why would God do this to me? This is idea that God, the path that he has us on, will never lead us into any challenges or troubles. But you'll never know he's the one who'll fight your battles until you're in a battle. You won't know that he brings the healing of forgiveness until you're confronted with an enemy that you got to forgive. And so you begin to work it out with him. You begin to go, Lord, I, I don't really see. I, this sure looks like an awful line, big step to the edge on my right and to my left, even before me. I don't know what to do here. And so what you find in the Christmas story is the angel told Joseph, get out of here. He didn't realize in the steps that God was doing that the Magi gave him the means to, to go. In my mic check, I just have to bring this one back up because the Magi come to Jesus and, and, and to Mary and Joseph and they bring gifts, right? Gold and frankincense, frankincense, they gave them. You know what they said right after that? They said, wait, there's myrrh. You just needed a groaning moment, I know. But I want you to get this. As you're working things out and as you're going, the Magi had a dream not to go back the way they came rather than trying to figure out how are you going to get me to the promise, begin to walk it out and the Lord will help you work it out. And so it's in that, in that working it out that we, we then begin to say, Lord, what do I need to know as I go? What do I need to know here? What do I need to know now? What do I need to be able to take the next step? Whatever challenge that, that the Lord has allowed you to be step into or step in front of, he's the answer because he is the path. And when you understand that he's the path, you're not going to look to Visa and MasterCard. You're not going to look to your education. You're not going to look to your physical abilities. You're not going to look to the doctor. You're not, not that any of these things are bad, but that's not going to be where you're looking. You're going to be looking to Jesus. Because you're saying, Lord, I understand and I know that the knowing is in the going, and I don't want to be found sitting still. You've given me this, this lamp. I want to use it for the next step. And so, Lord, we just say yes to you. We say yes to you. You, Lord, are the one who brings the knowing. You've called us to get going. And so, Lord, we say yes to you. We say yes because, Lord, you're the one who's given us incredible eternal promises. Lord, you've given us the, the path to go on, and you've given us yourself. And so, Lord, we, we need you. We need you more today than we needed you yesterday. Lord, we need revelation for 
this moment. You even said, Lord, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has sufficient time of troubles. But just be concerned with today. And Lord, for the person that's here that their mind runs wild, they can't shut it off into the tomorrow, I pray, Lord, that they will look to you saying, Lord, I'm, in, I'm going, but Lord, will you come and just bring peace in the moment and rest in the moment for you'll illuminate tomorrow when tomorrow comes. Lord, thank you for helping us, Lord, to, to be a people that as we go, there's just a dynamic of our lantern that we're going to come across people. And, and I just want to just kind of just fill my spirit and uh, that I'll take just a moment. The people that in your life that they bounce around in the darkness and they, they, they have hurts that hurt the hurts. And the Holy Spirit will bring those people to your remembrance. Can we take a moment? Can we just pray that as you pass by with the light of Jesus, that you're able to pass that light on for them? Lord, I pray for our circle of influence. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you will, you will cause us to, to be in step where that which you've given us, we can pass on. Lord, to the people who are in darkness, who stumble around, who are, who are headed for destruction, whether it's eternal destruction or it's destruction of situations in this life, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you will help us to, to recognize that you've given us a light to pass on. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us in our ignorance to know the moments and to know the words, to not receive the pressure and the, and the anxiety that the enemy tries to throw on that you have to. You said your burden is light. So Lord, in the going, but we just believe you're going to help us with the knowing. And so Lord, thank you for that as we reach our circle of influence in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.